Please, and turn with me uh, to the book of First Kings, chapter seventeen. First Kings, chapter seventeen, and we'll be doing our study together tonight. If you picked up notes on your way in, the title of the message tonight is "Fix Your Financial Mess by Making Good Choices." How many of us have ever been in a financial mess? You ever been there? Well, the only way you get out of it is making good choices. Uh, let me start while you're finding uh, 1 Kings chapter 17. And I want to thank all of you who prayed for me when I had my heart surgery, open heart surgery. Uh, we didn't know we had to have that done, but they found it before I, it was my Widowmaker. They did a couple of bypasses on my Widowmaker and And uh, the Lord has chosen to leave me around for a while, and I'm thankful for that. And I certainly, certainly appreciate all your prayers. And I'm thankful for the opportunity to get to speak to you tonight. Uh, Let me tell you a little bit about me, and you'll understand a whole lot of what I'm going to say to you tonight. I did have that privilege of pastoring... uh, Two churches, one for 12 years, and my last one, 34 years in Decatur. And uh, I, I had people from time to time would say to me, uh, Doug, are, are, you, are you satisfied? Are you satisfied? You know, that's, that's sort of a bad question if you think about it, you know. Well, we had great attendance Sunday. Are, are you satisfied? Well... Not when there's still people dying and going to hell. I'm not, I'm not satisfied. I'm thankful, but I'm not satisfied. Does that make sense? Yeah. And uh, when it came to the area of giving, now I, I talked about giving every Sunday. Every Sunday I talked about giving. Maybe not in a sermon, but when we had the offering, I talked about giving and the blessing of giving. And, and uh, you say, why in the world did you do that? I never one time, ever, uh, let me say in my my last 34 years, I don't can't remember all that far back on my first 12, but in my last 34, I, I don't think I ever one time ever talked about giving because I wanted money. Does that make sense? Uh, you, you know, the first church I pastored uh, about uh, two years before I left and came to Decatur, Alabama, uh, my deacons, uh, they, they did, we, we did the budget and uh, they brought me my salary proposal and, and uh, I just, I, I wouldn't take it. It was just so much. I, I wouldn't take it. And I remember the chairman of my deacons, he, he, he was so mad at me. He said, what you're going to do is you're going to fool around. And not take this money that we are wanting to give you because we think you earn it. And there's going to be another church come along that will offer you more money, be bigger, and uh, you'll leave us. And now just the opposite happened. I went from a church running uh, right at 550 to a church running 100. And I took a cut in pay and I liked to starve to death the first six months we moved to Decatur. It was not that at all. But I, I, it, it was never about money, but it is about something. And I, there is something. And let me tell you what it is. I don't believe you can be 
a fully committed follower of Christ and not give. I just, I don't, I don't believe you can do it. I don't believe you can be a fully committed follower of Christ and not give. You see, I never measured anything but what the offerings were. <laughs> I, I just didn't. I, I mean, you know, we could have a deacon's meeting and, and the budget was being met and everything was good. And the deacons thought this is just great. We could have a deacon's meeting and be behind a little in the budget. And you'd think the world came to an end. Are you listening to me? But that was, that was never the thing that affected me. You say, what affected you? I wanted every person that called Decatur Baptist Church their home that God sent to us. I wanted them to be a fully committed follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what I wanted. That's what I wanted. You know, the last sermon that uh, I preached before retirement, I had Katie to join me with that. Now, we, we didn't do like the Pentecostal brothers and me preach a while and her preach a while, you know. One of the reasons I didn't do that because she's a better preacher than I am. <laughs> you, ever, you ever listen to him on TV? And that, that gal can preach a whole lot better than he can. And, uh, but I had Katie with me and I did something. Uh, I, I said, you know, you've been hearing me tell stories about giving all of these years in our lives, what happened to us. And I'm going to recap a lot of them. And I'm going to have Katie standing here with me. And some of you, you probably think I would lie to you. But you know Katie won't lie to you. And let her confirm that the stories of what God has done for us because of giving are true stories. Are you listening to me? And so tonight, I I hope I come across with the spirit that I, I really have in my heart. And that is not to hurt you, but to help you. I want to encourage you to know that you can do this. Now, I shared uh, some time back when I was preaching with you, one of the things we did in Decatur, we had a a 90-day money-back guarantee. We We did it for 33 years, 33 of the 34 we had, and you say, what was the money back guarantee? If anybody would trust God and begin to tithe, at the end of 90 days, if they felt like God had let them down, we would give them back every bit of their money. And I, you know, I talked about the 90 day guarantee a lot of times, and I said, guys, listen to me, listen to me. They won't repossess your, your car in, in less than 90 days, so you'll get the money back to catch up on the, the payment, if that's what it was. They won't repossess your house, and let me tell you, they won't ever repossess your children. No. <laughs> they don't want them. They don't, they're, glad, they're glad you have them, but they don't want them. And then we, we had a 90-day money-back guarantee for people in the church that tithe. But had never given above the tithe. And they didn't know the blessing of giving to missions. And they didn't know the blessings of giving to build the buildings that we needed to minister to people in. And, and, and they'd just never step, taken that step of faith. And we gave them a 90 day money back guarantee. That if you'll give above the tithe. 
At the end of 90 days, if God has let you down, we'll give you back every penny. No questions asked. I mean, you don't, you, all you have to do is just say, God let me down, give me back my money, and we will give it back to you. Now that sounds like a pretty good deal, didn't it? Now that guy where you bought your car the other day, he told you that too, didn't he? Drive it for 90 days. If you have trouble paying on it, just bring it back. And we'll, we'll say everything's good. No, 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 no. They didn't say that to you, did they? And if you didn't make that payment, you got a nasty call. And, and I'm going to just tell you, as a church, you say, why in the world would you do that, preacher? Because we didn't have a goal to raise money. We had a goal to build godly people. Are you with me? Building godly people. And you can't do it without being a giver. Trust me, you can't do it without being a giver. Are we okay? Now, Brother Malcolm may never ask me to preach again, but I, I want you to know. As a pastor, I, I have preached hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of sermons. And I didn't just go get one and warm it up to come here tonight. I've sought the Lord. My wife will tell you, I've sought the Lord. What do I say? What do, what do you want me to say? And the Lord, the Lord just laid on. Matter of fact, I went around it two or three different ways to make sure because there was some stuff I would have liked to have said. And, you know, you know I, I mean, you guys, a lot of you, you don't know me. I mean, you don't know my motive, I, but, but let's just make sure we're clear of one thing, okay? If you give a million dollars tonight, Malcolm and Dustin won't call me in and, and, and say, I want to give you a gift, preacher. Are you okay? Do you, do you, do you, do you know, are, are you aware that I'm not benefiting from preaching tonight on giving? Help me out a minute. Come on, help me out. But what will cause me to benefit tonight is when I lay my head on my pillow and I've prayed my last prayer before I go to sleep that I have honored the Lord and I have encouraged and helped you to be a more committed follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, hey, listen, listen. I know some of you have said, I knew we shouldn't have come tonight. <laughs> Good night of living. <laughs> Why in the world did we come? Or you can do it like this. If there's a way that I can do better to please God, I want to know it. And guys, I'm going to show it to you, okay? All right, 1 Kings chapter 17, let's begin reading in verse number 8. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath. Now this is Elijah and the... The drought has taken place. It's a famine in the land. There's no rain. The judgment of God is upon Israel. And God's telling him, now I'm going to send you right into Gentile country. And I'm going to send you to a widow. Now watch what he says. Arise and get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. And he arose and he went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold... The widow woman was there gathering of sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch the water or fetch it, 
He called to her and said, bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, as the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I'm gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son that we may eat it and die. Now, whoa, that's bad news, isn't it? Huh? Would you call that a financial mess? There's a, the only thing I know different than that one is over in the Old Testament where they're all surrounded by the enemy and they're in the city and they're eating doves, dung, and donkey's heads. <laughs> Amen. Well, you'll get that anyway. And, and Elijah, verse 13, said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me... Therefore, a little cake first and bring it unto me and after make for thee and thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruse of oil fail until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah and she and he and her house did eat. Many days, John R. Rice says in his study Bible, one year. Now, I'm going to tell you something. That's a miracle. Amen. That's a miracle. She didn't even have enough to make a cake. She, I, I don't know what she was going to make. Probably a little old dough ball. And she's going to eat part of it and her boy eat part of it and they were going to die. And yet God comes on the scene and what does he do? He does what God always does when he comes on the scene. He shows how great he is. Then look at verse number 16. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail according to the word of the Lord which he spake by Elijah. All right, let me, let me share with you one of the great principles. And it's Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24 and 25. You see, God multiplies our resources when we give them away. Look at what he says. There is, there is that scattereth and yet increaseth. Now that don't make sense, does it? Huh? I mean, how, you, you, you throw it out and get more back? That doesn't make sense. Look what he goes on to say. And there is that withholdeth more than his meat. But it tended to poverty. Whoa, 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 whoa. You mean if I'm not willing to scatter and I hold it, then, then it leads to poverty? And then look at what he goes on to say in verse 25. The liberal soul shall be made fat. Now liberal, not in the sense that we hear the liberal and the conservative today. But the liberal, meaning the giver, the, the, the giver shall be made fat, and he that waters shall be watered also himself. Do you know what he said? Man, you, when you give it away, you prosper. Now that's the word of God. It, it doesn't make sense to me. Now let me ask you one question before I jump into this. How many of you think that what Elijah said to that would have made sense to her? Do you think it made sense? You know, I, I learned a long time ago, if I only serve God when it makes sense, I don't serve him too much. There's a lot of things that don't. Have you ever had God to tell you to go apologize to somebody that you didn't offend? Talk to me a minute. You didn't offend them. And the truth is, they offended you. And yet God told you to be the one to go and 
It, did that make sense to you? It, it, it just it doesn't make sense. So let me let me give you some things here on how how we how we get out of this mess and get things where they need to be. Number one, I want you to see her opportunity. Now, verse nine says that the Lord said, "I have commanded a widow woman there to feed thee." Now, do you realize that this widow woman had an incredible opportunity from God? And if you don't think it was a great opportunity, listen to Luke 4, verse 25 and 26. This is Jesus talking about this story. And he said, but I tell you of a truth, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elias when the heavens were shut up three years and six months, when great famine was throughout all the land, but unto none of them was Elias sent, save unto Sarepta, a city of Sidon, unto a woman that was a widow. You know what Jesus said? He said there was all kinds of widows out there, but God chose her. Now, I, I want you to understand something. The way you get your eye, your mind wrapped around what it is to obey God in the area of giving is to realize it's not an obligation. It's an opportunity. It's, it's not I have to. I, I get to. I, I'm not obligated. I, I, it's just an opportunity from Almighty God. Have you ever watched the reaction of people that are operating out of opportunity versus those operating out of obligation? You ever seen somebody when their, their face is just shining, they're excited about getting to do something? You ever looked at somebody that didn't want to do what they was about to have to do? Uh, their face wasn't shining. It looked like a martyr. You ever heard anyone speak when they're excited about an opportunity that they're talking about? I'm telling you right now, they have their positive and good things to say. You ever listen to somebody speak when they're obligated to say something? I mean, they're negative. They have nothing good to say. You ever sat in, in a class with a teacher that felt like I have the greatest opportunity in the world to teach this class? And man, they come in. They're so excited. They can't wait to tell you what God's told them to tell you. And have you ever sat in, under a teacher that felt obligated, not an opportunity, but obligated to teach? They couldn't wait till it was over. You ever been with somebody to attend something and they're so excited they can't wait to get there to learn to meet new people. They're so excited about it. And you're with somebody that didn't want to go. And I'm telling you right now, they're dragging their feet the whole way. They can't find their coat. They can't get ready. I mean, they just feel coerced and and, and, and they can't wait until it's over. And have you ever watched people who give because it's an opportunity and not an obligation? They give with joy. They really do. They give with joy. I, 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 I'm, but somebody gives with an obligation. Man, it's resentment. It's negative. Now, I, I, I'd like to tell you in 34 years in Decatur that uh, I didn't have anybody complain about my talking and teaching on giving. But I'd be the biggest liar in the world. Man, I'd have people complain all the time. But givers didn't complain. It's people that didn't give that complained. Are, are, you, are you listening to me? I mean, I don't know. I don't even know how it started. It's the craziest thing in the world. But we had a rumor, and it, and it lasted. It lasted thirty-two of the thirty-four years I was there. That to join our church, you had to show your W-2 forms. 
Yeah, I mean, you can't join that church unless you bring your, your W-2 forms, you know. I, I tell you, that, that, was the, that was a lie right out of hell. But yet we had that kind of stuff talked about. You say, now why in the world did that happen? Why did that happen? Well, it's because I was talking about giving and I shouldn't have been talking about it. It's because I was talking about something that would change people's lives. And the devil didn't like it. He didn't like it. You see, we give out of opportunity. Opportunity looks for a chance to give and get involved. Obligation looks for a place to hide. Opportunity says I get to. Obligation says I have to. Now look at number two, her openness. Go back to verse number 10. Now, so he arose and went, well, back 10 through 12. But I want you to see what he says in verse number 10. He said, Behold, a widow woman is there. And he called unto her, the latter part of the verse. And he said, Fetch me. Now, you, you, you know from this, Elijah's southern, right? Yeah. He wasn't a northern prophet. He was a southern prophet. <laughs> and he said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. Fetch me. Now, her openness. I, I want you to understand something. When he says to her, Fetch me a little water to drink, you know what he's saying to her? Just do what's expected of you. You see, it was the custom in that day and time to give a stranger a drink of water. That was the custom. And so what he's doing to her is he's saying to her, just, just do what you're, what, what you're obligated to do. Just do, do what you know you're supposed to do. Just, hey, 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 just fetch me a little water. Go do what you're supposed to do. You see, in Genesis chapter 24, we see it with Rebecca. Remember when Abraham sent his, his servant Eliezer out to, to get a, a bride for his son Isaac? And what did Rebekah do? She watered all those camels. He didn't ask her to do it. She had chose to do it. Why? It was part of the custom of the land. Now you say, Brother Doug, what do we do then? If we're going to really be contributors and we're going to really make a difference with our life, what do we do? Well, let's just do what we know God has really asked us to do. You know, just do the elementary part. Do you, do you follow with me? And, and if I'll do what, if I'll do the, just the elementary part, then God will give me opportunity to do a lot bigger things. And so you say, what's the elementary in giving? Well, the elementary in giving is tithing. It's tithing. I want you to turn with me, if you would, in your Bibles, or we have it on our notes, and you can look at it, in the book of Malachi. I want you to look with me in chapter 3. And we'll start reading in verse number 7. But before we do, let me give you a little rundown of Malachi. In chapter 1, God condemns them because they're bringing for their sacrifices to Almighty God. They're bringing their blind animals. They're bringing animals that are sick. They're bringing animals that are crippled. And that's what they're giving to God. They're not giving to God their best. They're giving to God the worst they have. That's what they're giving. And God says, man, this is not right. Don't do that. And then he comes in chapter 2 and he condemns the prophets because, you know, not the prophets, but the priests, because they, they were okay with that. They're okay with it. But God wasn't okay with it. And then we come to chapter 3 and he says in verse number 7, 
Even from the days of your fathers, you were gone away from mine ordinance and have not kept them. Return unto me, and I will return unto you, saith the Lord. But ye said, wherein shall we return? Now, I, I want you to see what he's about to lay out for us right here. Have you ever been around people that just play dumb? Talk to me a moment. You ever been around people that just play dumb? Now, I'm going to tell you something. I can't stand it. I, I can't stand I, I'm. I promise you, if you ever worked for me and played dumb, you didn't get to work long. You know, now, I, I know what being dumb is. I, I mean, I've written a book on how to be dumb. Okay, I've done some dumb stuff. How about you? But have you ever been around somebody just playing dumb, acting like, and that's what they're doing right here. But you said, verse 7, wherein shall we return? Oh, what would we do? Now look at verse number 8. Will a man rob God? Yet ye have, yet ye have robbed me, but ye say, wherein have we robbed thee? Playing dumb. And he said, you've robbed me in tithes and offerings. And then he says, you are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me even this whole nation. And then look what he says in verse number 10. Bring ye all the tithe into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts. If I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. And all nations shall call you blessed, and ye shall be a delightsome land, saith the Lord of hosts. I want you to see three things right here. The spiritual blessing. He said, return to me and I'll return to you. And he said to them there, he said, man, stop playing dumb. And he says in verse number 10, I'll open you the windows of heaven. Look at me a moment. Look at me. How many of you want the windows of heaven opened up and looking down on you? How many of you want that? That's a promise. That is a promise that goes with bringing the tithe and the offering. I mean, it's incredible. Isn't that incredible? I mean, here it is, the spiritual blessing. You see, God says you can, you can stop being a consumer and start being a contributor. And I will bless you for your obedience. I'll bless you for it. I don't know if you remember, it's been several years back in Anchorage, Alaska. They experienced some major earthquakes. Millions of dollars and damage were done to, to property and homes, etc. And the governor was just, I mean, they, they, everybody was after him. What, what are you going to do? Uh, what's, what's the state going to do? How are you going to help us in all of this? And so the governor gets uh, uh, behind the, the, the cameras and he addresses the, the, uh, the state. And then he closes his address by saying, I'd like to give you some closing remarks by reading a letter from a 10-year-old boy. And he picked up a little three-by-five card that the little boy had written on. And he said, on this one side, the card says, use this wherever it is needed. And if you need more, just let me know. And he said, you turn the card over and there's two nickels taped to it. He said, I want you to know I got nothing but complaints. 
But a 10-year-old boy said, let me tell you, rather than being a consumer, I'm going to be a contributor. Now, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. You heard about the family that were at church and the pastor preached on giving, you know, and, and, and they got out in the car and the dad was mad and the mom was mad. And they were just down in everything. And the little boy spoke up and he said, Dad, I thought it was pretty good for a dollar. You'll get it. <laughs> I thought it was pretty good for a dollar. Hey, guys, I, I don't want to hurt you. I don't want to make you mad at me. But I, I just want you to know, listen, man, the only way to help you is just get under the fountain that God's pouring out. I mean, get under the blessing. Get where God said to get. And when you get there, it's incredible what God will do. Do you know, I started tithing. I, was, I hadn't been a Christian a month. And I started tithing. And I didn't, even know, I didn't even know what the word was. And I'd heard the preacher talk about tithing. And they had envelopes in the windows of the church. And I, and I asked a, a young man that was a friend of mine in school that went to that same church I started going to after I got saved. And, and I said, what are those envelopes for? And he said, it's for tithing. I said, tithing? What is tithing? Now, you've got to remember, 30 days before that, I got saved. I carried a Bible for the first time in my hand. I read the table of context and I, context and I looked at it. And I thought, isn't that something? There's a book in the Bible called Job. I didn't know, I didn't know the beginning from the end. I didn't know anything. But my friend said the tithe is giving 10% of what you make back to God. You know what I started doing? I started giving 10% of what I made back to God. And I thought it was a pretty big deal. You remember, I, I, uh, I had an allowance of fifty cent, uh, $5 a week. And it's crazy. Uh, that, I know it doesn't sound like much, but if you go back to that many years ago, 50 years ago, that's a whole lot of money, $5. And, and I used to put that 50 cent piece, remember that, in one of those envelopes and then lick it. And then careful that it didn't fall out, you know. But buddy, when that offering plate went by and I put mine in there, I, I'm going to tell you, I felt good about that. You know why? Because I did what the Lord asked me to do. And then when I'd work and make extra money, I'd put more in that thing. You know what? what, what he, that's what he asked me to do. I'll never forget the first time I saw baptism. I mean, I'd only been saved a few weeks. And, and, and the pastor said that Sunday morning, said, we're going to be baptizing tonight. And I said to my friend again, I said, what's baptizing? And he explained baptizing to me. And, and so I came back that night. You know what I did that night? Crazy. I didn't, I didn't have 10 lessons to tell me how to be baptized. I got baptized that night. You know, you'd say, why would you do it? Because if the Lord wants me to do that, then that's what I want to do. And guys, I'm going to tell you something. Down through the years, I, I have met better preachers, better Christians than me. But I've never met anybody more blessed than me. And I, and I think it's been the area of giving. Katie and I got married. We started giving together. Now, we were giving before we got married, but we started giving together. Tithing was never a problem. And giving above the tithe was never a problem. So the spiritual blessing, the material blessing from it. Look at verse number 11 said, he'll stop the devourer. That's an agriculture. Okay. I'm I'm telling you, man, 
If, if you do anything on the farm, let me tell you, you're in the mercies of Almighty God. If it doesn't rain, it doesn't grow. Are you with me? Now, I, I, how many of you like pears? Now, I love pears. I, I love pears. One of the funeral homes in, in Decatur has an unbelievable pear tree. And I know it sounds crazy, man. I'd preach a, preach a funeral and go out there and steal ten pears. You can do that if you're a Baptist. You don't lose your salvation. <laughs> when I was a church of God, I couldn't do that. <laughs> I'm kidding. I didn't steal them. The funeral director is a member of our church. He said, get all the pears you want. But when we lived in Decatur, we had a pear tree. And I'm telling you, I, I'm, I'm telling you, the first, the first sign of warm weather in the spring, blossoms were everywhere. And then we'd have a freeze. I'm telling you, never got, we never got one pair off of that thing. You know what he said there? He said, man, I'll stop the devourer. Your vines, they'll, they'll, listen, they'll not blossom and then get, get killed by a freeze. I'm going to take care of you. Isn't that a promise from God? And then verse number 12 says you, you become a blessing of influence. You can influence people and you can make a difference with your life. So where do we start? We just, we just start right where God has put her. Just obey him. Do what you know you're supposed to do. Just do it. And verse 11 and 12, Elijah asked for bread. And her response was, man, I, I don't have any. That's a bad situation. Now, there's two principles I gave you in the notes. And I've found this to be true in my life. And that's it. number one. God always uses unlikely people. He just does. He, I mean, he just uses unlikely. Isn't that true? I mean, how many times have you ever, uh, you know, you, you've heard somebody on the radio, you know, and you think, man, that's good. And then you see them, you think, how in the world did that and this, how do they go together? You know, but God uses unlikely people. And secondly, God holds me and you accountable no matter what size our resources are. I mean, God didn't look for a widow and, and Zarephath that had all kinds of money. He, he picked out one of the poorest ones in the place. But she will use what she has and God will put what he has into it and it will be one of the greatest things that ever takes place. You know, one of the greatest teachings in our Bible is in Matthew 27, the parable of the talents. You know, one had five and he went out and had ten and one had two and goes out, you know, and they use them. And the guy had one. Remember the guy had one? What did he do with it? He, he hid it. Man, he, he didn't want to lose his. He, you know. And what did the Lord do? The Lord condemned him because you didn't use what you have. Years ago, and this is a true story, a man that uh, was starting his business. And he talked to his pastor. He said, Pastor, if you'll pray for me with the business, I'm going to tithe. And he started tithing. He wasn't making much of business. You know what it is. Any of us have ever started a business, you work yourself to death. But a few years later, that business was prospering greatly. And the pastor went to him and he said, I just want to ask you, are you still tithing? He said, I can't afford to tithe, pastor. He said, when I made $100 a week, I could tithe. But when I started making $2,000 a week, I couldn't afford to tithe. And the pastor said, well, I tell you what, I want to pray for you. I prayed for you back in the early days. I want to pray for you now. 
And I'm going to pray that God will take you back to $100 a week so you can start tithing again. Isn't it crazy how people think and how the devil lets people think that? Well, let me give you, let me give you number three, her obligation. Verse number 13. And guys, this is, this is so good. This is so good. So, so what, is, what is the obligation here? Well, he says, first, make for me, do for me, take care of me, do it for me first, and, and then take care of yourself. Did you realize that's a biblical principle all the way through Scripture? That we are to give to God first? First. Do you, you, you know something I, I learned about the Lord He's not, he, he's not happy at all being within my top ten. He's not happy being within your top ten. He wants the preeminence. Amen? And let me tell you something else about him. You know, the Bible said he's a jealous God. He's a jealous God. He wants to be first in my life. He wants to be first in your life. And so what did he say? He said, okay, first thing do, take care of me. I'm God's man. I've told you what God will do. Take care of me. And then you'll be able to take care of yourself and your son. But take care of me first. You see, that's a principle we find in the Old Testament in Exodus 20. The first commandment is no other gods before me. And then in the New Testament, in Mark chapter 12, verse 29 and 30, Jesus said to them, The first of all the commandments is hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all of thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. You know, residue religion says to God, if I have anything left over, any time left over, any energy left over, any money left over, any talent left over, any service left over, I'll give it to you. But God doesn't want my leftovers. God doesn't want your leftovers. God just wants our, our, our first. Just put him first. Just put him first. And let me tell you something. <laughs> it, it, it's so much easier to live for him if we put him first. You, you know, you say, how does that go, Brother Doug? Well, give him the first day of the week and worship. Give him the first of your income, the first part of your day. Give him the first place in your life. Give him the first part of your talents and your gifts. Just put him first. Let him be first. Then look at her offer here in verse number 14. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruse of oil fail until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. You see, God didn't make her bread and hand it to her. He just said, what, what you're going to use to make your bread, the meal and the oil, it's not going to run out. It's going to stay there, but you're going to have to make the bread. And so what happens? In verse 13, she makes God her first priority. And then we find in this verse that God makes her his first priority. I don't know how you can do it better than that, folks. I, I really don't. I don't. He takes care of her. And then her obedience in verse number 15. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat many days. Now, what did she do in her obedience? Well, uh, she did what the prophet said. She made for him first and then for her and her son. You, you see, it's, it's the principle of sowing and reaping. 
Now, I'm a country boy, okay? I, I grew up on a farm. I, I know sowing and, and I know reaping. And you know what you have to do? You have to sow to reap. Isn't that true? Yes. Isn't that true? Don't you have to sow to reap? And the Bible says if you sow just a little bit, you only reap a little bit. But if you sow abundantly, you reap abundantly. Ecclesiastes 11.1 1 says, Cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. And here's the, here's the principles of sowing and reaping. You sow before you reap. Isn't that true? You sow before you reap. And then the second thing is simply this. You reap more than you sow. That's what I think is the neatest thing in the world. You know, I, one of the things that fascinates me, listen to me, is corn. Corn, corn just fascinates me. Doesn't it you? I mean, you take one little grain and put it in the ground, cover it up, and the good Lord makes it grow, gives the water to it, and that thing comes up the stalk, and three or four ears come out on that thing, and then that ear is full of those grains. Isn't that true? You get back more than you sow. Guys, let me tell you, in in my life, and I promise you, we could go around with a microphone and say, how many of you will testify that God gave you more than you sowed? We'd be here all night with people saying, let me tell you what God's done. But you have to sow it. If you don't sow it, it doesn't happen. You know, it's a true story of years ago, Winston Churchill when he was just a boy, he and his family were in a villa there in, in Britain, and, and in the British area. And uh, they were in a, a villa, and he was just a young lad, and he was swimming in, a, in a, a pool or a pond there. And he got cramps in his legs, and he began to uh, go under. He was, he was literally just drowning. And the gardener for the villa had brought his son with him that day to work. And his son saw what was happening, jumped into the water, and saved Winston Churchill's life as a young boy. And he drug him out of that water and saved his life. Winston Churchill's dad was so overcome by this. He, 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 said, he said to the dad of the boy who saved Winston's life, said, I, I want to do something for your boy. What can I do for your boy? And he said, well, I'll tell you what you can do for him, but I don't really want to tell you because it's just it's too big. He said, no, tell me. I mean, there's nothing can take the place of saving my boy's life. And he said, well, my son Alexander has an incredible desire to study medicine. But we can't afford to put him in the schools. Winston Churchill's dad said, I'll cover it all. And Alexander Fleming was paid. His schooling was paid by Winston Churchill's dad all the way through medical school. Well, many years had passed. And as you know, Winston Churchill became the prime minister of the United Kingdom Alexander Fleming became a renowned doctor in England. Churchill was in India. I'm I'm sorry, in Egypt. He was in Egypt and became very, very ill with pneumonia and was dying. Word was sent back to Fleming 
that Churchill needed him. Fleming got on a plane and he flew to Egypt and he carried with him a medicine that he had just developed called penicillin and administered penicillin and saved his life the second time. When you cast that bread on the water, it comes back. When you sow, you reap. And you always reap more than you sow. You just can't out give God. And then I want you to see, and I'm done, her overflow. Verse 15 and 16. Now, before I read this, I want you to do something with me, okay? I want you to imagine in your mind, you're sitting at a little table, a little humble table, and here's the prophet Elijah, and here's your son, and here's this little widow. And over here is a little bit of meal. Just a little bit of meal. I mean just a little bit of meal and just a little bit of oil. But while they're making all of that food, that this, I mean that meal just keeps pouring, that oil just keeps pouring. And all of a sudden they set down this, all of this food and there's Elijah and there's your son and there's that widow. And, and we get a set beside of them. Let me ask you, wonder what the prayer would sound like before they ate that food. You see, she obeyed before she ever had a pantry full. She obeyed. You know, I've got to just be honest with you. I tend to like to have everything happen and then obey. How about you? Yeah. I mean, if everything happens, then yeah. You know, fill the pantry and I'll, I'll I'll go fix you something to eat. But she obeyed. And God caused the meal and the oil to last. And she lived with the overflow. Listen to verse 15 and 16. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah. And she and he and her house did eat many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not. Neither did the cruise of oil fail according to the word of the Lord which he spake by Elijah. You see, it just required faith. Put him first. And look at the overflow of what God gives. Now let me just ask you a question. You see, giving has nothing to do with your assets. It really doesn't. It has everything to do with your attitude. And here's how it is. Lord, I just want to please you. I I, I just want to obey you. I, I want to tell you a story. I led a lady to Christ several years ago in Decatur. And then I led her husband to Christ. And he had a black belt in judo. Uh, let me just say, he, he, was, he, he was one tough dude. And I, I led him to Christ. And uh, I preached every year in January. I preached four straight Sunday mornings on giving. I preached four straight Sunday. And, and listen, listen, the records will stand. We had more people saved and baptized in the month of January than any other month of the year. And I preached on giving. You say, what is that? It's just God trying to tell us something. Yeah. Are you with me? Amen. So I'd been preaching that month on giving. And uh, 
So my secretary buzzes me and says, uh, Bob's here to see you. I said, well, send him on in. Send him on in. I, I love Bob. I was discipling him and praying for him and encouraging him. And Bob walked in, and boy, that, that day, good night. I, I, he, he had blood in his eyes. I, I mean, he had blood in his eyes. And he had a, had a folder. Had a lot of stuff in it. Had a folder. I said, well, Bob, are you okay? And he said, yeah, I'm okay. I just need to talk to you. I said, okay, okay. And all of a sudden, he took that folder and he just slapped it down on my desk. I said, Bob, are you sure you're okay? And he said, no, I'm not okay. He said, I've been listening to you for the last few weeks say that you ought to give, and I want you to look in this folder. How in the world can I give? I'm behind, and he began telling me everything. Hey, he had the folder to prove he's behind, all the, all the paperwork to prove he's behind. And he said, and you're telling me I ought to give? And I said, now, Bob, stop right there. I haven't told you you're to give. God told you you're to give. I, hey, listen, listen. The, the, the only place this has my name on it is if you open it up, it says belongs to Doug Ripley. Return it to him if you find it. Hello? Yeah. And to make a long story short, in just a few minutes, I prayed with Bob and I said, Bob, let's trust God. Amen. He said, okay, I'm going to do it. I said, Bob, I've got a 90-day guarantee here for you. If God lets you down, we'll, we'll, we'll give you back all your money that you've given and your tithe. We'll give it all back to you. You can go pay on the bills, whatever you're going to pay. He said, okay. He said, I'm going to do it, preacher. I'm going to do it. And he left my office. He left my office. He came back about six weeks later, smile on his face. Had that same folder in his hand. He said, Preacher, you won't believe this. He said, We've paid, we're current on every bill. He said, We had a mobile home that we had lived in when we had our bought our house. And he said, I had come to the place where I was trying to give it away if somebody just take over the payment. He said, we sold that motor mobile home. And he said, I, they not only took over the payments, they paid me cash. He said, I made money on it, preacher. He said, you won't believe it. I said, Bob, I, I believe it. God doesn't let you down. Now, you may get mad and get mad at me and get mad at Malcolm and get, you know, and I'm just mad. And all they're talking about over there, that church is money. That's all they did. Preacher had that preacher come in. The preacher probably told him to talk about money tonight. He had no idea what I was going to preach on tonight. You know, get mad, get mad at me. But I tell you what, if you really want to get mad, just get mad at the Lord. Because I didn't tell you to do anything tonight. I just told you what he said. And I, you know what I want you to do? I want you to be the best Christian you can be for God. I want you to have the windows of heaven opened in your life. I want the blessings of God poured down on you so great that, man, I'm telling you right now, I, I mean, you're scaring everybody to death just walking around praising the Lord. They think you've gone crazy. What in the world's happened to you? I'll tell you what's happened to you. God in heaven has showed himself to be real on your behalf. And he'll do it. So start with the tithe. 
Start with the tithe. If you're not tithing, start with the tithe. You say, well, I don't don't know how to figure my tithe. Call me. I can figure it out for you. (laughs) I'm not a mathematician or son of a mathematician, but I can tell you what 10% of something is, okay? And, you know, and I, by the way, I, I, I made that statement a thousand times in Decatur. Nobody ever called me because you can figure out what the tithe is. Okay, you can do that and start tithing. And then you that are start tithing, start giving above the tithe. Do you know, do you know according to Corinthians, the mission offering is, is, is an obligation offering as much as the tithe? That's what he says. He said, I, I've commanded you. I, I, it, God commanded us to bring the, the offering for missions. But the difference is the tithe is 10%. The missions offerings is, is as God has prospered you. Now, I'm going to tell you sometimes in our life, the mission offering is higher than our tithe. Because it's as God has prospered and as the needs have arisen around us to give to. Are, are you listening to me? So there's some of you, you've, you've never really stepped out above the tithe. Well, why don't you tonight say, God, I'm going to try you out on that thing. I'm going to try you out. You know, we were doing the streaming video for many, many years before COVID and everybody started doing it. And I had a guy that was listening to me preach in Scotland. And he emailed me and said, I'm going to start tithing. Will you give me that 90-day guarantee? I emailed him back and said, yes, sir, I'll give you the 90-day guarantee. You start tithing. I've never heard from him. And I never had to give it back in Decatur 33 years. You know why? God does not let his people down. God does not. When you step out and do it, God will open the windows of heaven. Now, God may tell you to start cleaning some things up in your life. God may tell you to start put, put some stuff out on eBay, put some stuff out on Craigslist. You know, you bought that. And, and how many of us have ever bought it? It was the happiest day in our life. And when we sold it was the second happiest day in our life. Thank God and greyhounds it's gone. Okay. But whatever God's asking you to do, would you just do that? Just obey him. Obey him in your life. Now, there's some of you listening to me here. You're, you may be married and you, you're married to... Your husband that's unsaved. Well, you know, my daughter had that problem. Now, her husband, uh, uh, he died of cancer. But when he got, I, I mean, I drilled him. I, I mean, I drilled him. It's a wonder he didn't hate me. And he, he told me over and over again, I'm saved, I'm saved, I'm saved. Or I wouldn't have married him. I, just, I, I wouldn't have. But I'm telling you, he had a fit about tithing. He hated tithing. But he said to Jessica, our daughter, you can tithe. Just don't ask me to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. But you know what? When he came down with cancer, I went to his house and I said, Scott, I've asked you many, many times, are you sure you're saved and going to heaven? And you said, yes, yes. I said, Scott, you have melanoma cancer. It's in your bones. It's in your lungs. It's in your brain. It's in your adrenaline gland. And the doctors have said, you're going to die unless God gives us a miracle. Are you saved, Scott? Are you really saved and going to heaven? He said, no, Doug, I'm not. And that night, he gave his heart and life to Christ. You know, one of the last things he said to our daughter before he went to heaven, don't ever stop giving to the Lord, Jessica. 
Don't ever stop giving. Listen, once you taste it, guys, everything else, nothing else tastes good. Amen? Amen. I, I, I'm just telling you, it works. And I hope, you've, I hope you've received what I had to say tonight from the spirit that I'm saying it in. I, I'm not mad at you. Don't want you to be mad at me. I just want to help you. I want to I help you be the very best Christian you can be for the Lord. And I want you blessed in so many ways you can't count them all. Amen. Stand with me and let's pray. I thank you folks in Fairview for watching. And, and I hope the folks over in Fairview, every one of you, let me encourage you, tithe. And then those of you that are tithing, give above the tithe. Let God grow you. Let God stretch you. Because it's the faith that you use to give that God will use. It will plant the seed in you to be everything that God wants you to be.